My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Koklo Samase. Koklo is a Matswana author whose debut novel, Womb City, comes out in the fall of 2023. Keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a doozy. Koklo's novella, The Silence of the Wilting Skin, served as the centerpiece of our first conversation, which tragically, the recording... Something went wrong with the recording and the audio was essentially unlistenable. So we had a great time, but we couldn't share it with you. But we decided to pick up where that conversation left off, which was Coco's arrival into the feeling that many creatives describe, which is hard to put into words, but you might imagine rather than saying, I am writing something, you might say, something is writing me or something is being written through me. And it's, it's an elusive and ineffable f- state of consciousness, a feeling state. But when it arrives, it's incredibly powerful. So we start there and wind our way into Coco's insights about the ways in which colonialism, sexism, systemic racism have shaped their journey and also shaped so much of what is written and read out in the world. And all the ways that they're working to unpack that, to offer something that's informed by the best of science fiction and fantasy and genre work and literary fiction, but also pushes it and challenges us as readers to see from new angles. And and I will say, having read some of Coco's work, that it is provocative and it is hard to read, not because it's not beautifully written, it is, but because the subject matter looks head on at things like gender violence and systemic violence towards a whole culture of people simply because of their positionality, where they, what land they arose in and who else wants that land and what they want to do with it and the costs that, the costs that come with that. Coco Short Fiction has appeared in a number of places, Africa Risen, The Best of World Science Fiction, Volume 1, Clark's World, Terraform, African Futurism. Um, and I really encourage you to go find some of that stuff. Most of it is available online. You can also find all of their writing and the longer form works at uh, com, which we will include in the show notes. So if you are someone who is sitting with questions of how to step into your own creative voice, particularly if you look around you and look at some of the dominating offerings in the creative space and go, where's, where's, where am I in that? Coco has some beautiful, hard-won insights about how to, how to make a space for yourself in that, even when you're repeatedly told that there is no space for you. So let's get settled in. <sighs> and hear what Coco has for us. All right. Coco, welcome back. Welcome back to the Wonder Dome. <laughs> Folks listening, what do you mean welcome back? Well, um, uh, this is actually your second time here. Thank you so much for saying yes to a follow-up invitation because sadly, the audio somehow of our first conversation got distorted and wasn't listenable, which was really tragic to me because we had a really... <laughs> I experienced our conversation as really enlivening and joyful and, and um, yeah. So thanks for coming back. 
Thank you for inviting me back. Um, that was definitely a nice um, conversation. So I look forward to this one. It seems like it's going to be <laughs> more deeper than that one. But yeah. Okay, knock on wood. I don't want to, let's not jinx ourselves here, but I, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I, I'm excited to see where we go. And, and my intuition, which, uh, we checked in, checked in with before we started was like, we actually ended our last conversation on, and, and this will be in, in my words. So I welcome you to kind of, uh, take this up in whatever way feels true for you in this moment. But my, my recollection of that end of our conversation was, talking about, we were talking about inspiration and creativity and sort of what is it and where it comes from. And, and it has this kind of ineffable thing, right? Like we could say to someone, well, if you want to write, you got to sit at the chair and write. And there's some like useful utilitarian wisdom in that. If you want to do a thing, do a thing. But there are times as, as you were sort of starting to dig into where you sit at the chair and you write and yeah, you do the thing. But there are other times where you sit at the chair and it seems like something's writing you. Like it's sort of, there's some, something deeper or bigger or wider. And you were just, you were talking about at the end of our conversation, how those moments, which, you know, come when they come are really special and important to listen for. And that are really a source of meaning and um, energy for you as an artist and a writer. So I'd love to hear you kind of how that responds to you now in this moment to hear me attempt to kind of read, say back to you what I heard you say to me and, and what that invokes for you right now. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, I was actually very surprised that I said that. I mean, that was, a, that conversation happened quite some time far back. Yeah. And I was like, I really had that much growth to say something like that because <laughs> that, that is a, something I believe in, in the sense that, I mean, I've been writing probably for 11 years now and you know the relationship that i've had that i have with writing has obviously evolved over time um from when i started so i feel like when it comes to creativity you know when you're kids you're at your most creative you know mm -hmm. you imagine worlds i remember when i was young um i would always be building things with my hands i'll be like writing things plays and um having a cast of my friends acting out in them you know and it's funny that when I was young, I wanted to be a film director, but mm. for some reason, I found it, I found it quite impossible. I was like, if you want to be a writer, you just have a pen and pencil, you know, it's the most affordable thing where you don't have, where you don't need like a lot of equipment. Um, so I do feel sometimes that, um, the talents that we have are sort of like callings, you mm. know, mm. um, but just because it's a calling doesn't make it any easier um, for you to actually perform that. Um, mm. As I've learned with maybe particularly from 2021 onwards, it was a period in my life where I was like writing so many stories. I had so many deadlines and every beginning of the week, I would sit at my desk and I'm like, okay, I have to write a story. I need to look for an idea. And I realized that Every project, there would be a seed of an idea, right? But then I would have to equip myself with skills to be able to actually execute that idea in the way that the story wanted, not the mm. way that I wanted, mm. <laughs> if that makes mm. sense. Mm. And it would take sometimes like a lot of research um, and reading things that I really wasn't interested in or found boring, you know. And at some point, I, I used to then equate it to sort of like method acting, you know, how actors would study certain things or train themselves to be able to do this role, perform this role in um, a very good manner. So... Yeah. Um, and then I felt like the other things that I layered it with were, you know, your body can feel like a vessel at some, at some points and you want to be like the right vessel to tell that story. So sometimes, especially with the project that I'm trying to write, which I've been trying to write for such a long time, I kept on trying to equip myself with those skills, but I was really struggling. I'm like, I'm trying to tell the story and I'm struggling and I feel like I'm interfering with its voice, you mm. know? 
there are just so many things that you sometimes have to consider. I, I do know like some authors, for example, um, they don't want to write a work that is maybe too different because it can be risky in terms of like finding a home for it or getting an audience that would understand it, you know? And I'm just like, but if the story wants to be this way, I don't want to force it another way. You know, I feel like I'll be interrupting with the voice there, which is what um, I don't want to do. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. So you said a couple of things in there that I, that are at least in my awareness, kind of sort of pointing towards this ineffable thing that people say when they mean creativity or, or inspiration. You said like what the story wants as opposed to what I want. Mm. And you said, and you talked about your body, kind of our bodies being vessels of creativity. Like it's not just like a, a thinking logical thing that there's something about really embodying or inhabiting the story or the characters in the story or what the story wants that helps you get in there in the same way that a method actor gets in there. And I, and I wonder if you could, to the extent that you can put it into words, I wonder if you could speak to a time when if you could just like feel it in your body that what you were writing was true or that you had tapped into this kind of perspective of what the story wanted as opposed to whatever agenda you came in with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to try and speak to two stories. Um, one of, and I wrote them at different points in my life. Um, The Science of the Wilton Skin is my novella, which was published in 2020. And then there's a short story called Peeling Time, which was published last year, I think November 2022. Right. And the thing about um creativity is that you have an idea in your head and then you come and layer it with stuff, things like cultural issues, interrogating systems, um, having conversations with things like race and gender, right? So when I wrote The Silence of the Warting Skin, it I wrote it at a period in time where I had spent many, many years writing novels and um, creating and trying to get agents. It was such a very traumatic process because at that time it was difficult to break into the industry as a, a black author and writing works that are quite different. And, you know, I got to the point where it was like, am I getting rejections um, because the work is bad or um, mm. it's the background that I have? And I think some of the most heartbreaking messages would be like, oh, this is the best writing that has ever crossed my desk, but I just can't represent you. I can't, I, I don't think I'm the best agent or there's that issue. I'm not issue. And I was just like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Because I've done the best that I can, but like some of the things that I have to change are impossible to change. And, um, through all those lessons, the science of this, the wilting skin, um, I sort of like vomited it out. That's probably a wrong way to <laughs> envision it because it talks about this character who has no name, is living in an African city where every part of the identity is getting erased because I felt like for me to exist in a place, I have to be completely erased. And just the issue of ex being excluded, racism, um, abuse issues, it's like the whole world is completely trying to erase you mm. so it was um a horrific depiction of reality you know and it was written in such a nightmarish way and you know i know that some people will look at it as fiction but i feel like speculative fiction and horror um are tools that show you a point of reality in a way that you don't see you know, for example, how marginalized people live. So these characters are living in, in a world where they look at the mirror and they cannot see a reflection of themselves. Mm. Like that's how mm. bad it is. Mm. And that was mirroring um, you not be seeing a reflection of yourself in um, film or books. And even if there was a reflection of you, it wasn't very authentic. 
and you didn't really relate to that. So it felt like someone was also controlling how you're supposed to look as well. So they're living in their own, um, in their own home and they can't even speak their language. And mm. she starts mm. seeing her skin color, um, start to uh crumble off her body and she's like trying to fight this force that's within um so the way that book came to me was that i broke every single rule that i learned in writing stories and it just screamed out of me and mm. it was just mm. this very poetic nightmarish um story and yeah and a lot of people like it because of that. And other people are like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, that, we talked a lot about that story was part of our previous conversation and I read it to prepare and it is, um, it's, it's unsettling. It's an, un, you know, it's a very, yeah. uh, there. And I, and as I hear you say more about where it came from today, I'm in touch with the kind of, you know, use the word vomiting it out, right? That's a powerful image. And it makes sense in the context of this book, which is filled with these really intense, powerful images. Um, you know, and, and it just like came out of you that I'm really appreciating that. Uh, I think in part I'm appreciating it because so often we can talk about creativity in a way that sounds, um, you know, magical and sweet and, you know, like, or like, you know, just like visionary and, but there's just also like this, I am living something. It is living in me. And if I don't get it out, yeah, then it will, then something will happen. So just this kind of quality of like, it just came out of you. And here is this really beautiful and unsettling and uh, ambiguous and uh, uh, critical story that just like can be read in a number of ways but also is, is very clear about in some ways about what the reading could be so it's just yeah i'm really appreciating that the way in which the create you're describing the creativity moving through you to get this written and uh breaking all the rules in the process yeah and you know i think also it was also at that point where identity was like the central focus and it was probably the first time where i just put all the identities in regards to like to gender uh cultural elements to build this world and i think that was when um every time when i come to a project i'm like okay i'm gonna put all these things in that relate to where i'm from which is Botswana, mm -hmm. and the way that our culture is whether it's food or clothing or language you know because all those things make us make us who we are right um but one thing that i realized during then i was writing characters who were stuck in systems that were obviously very oppressive to them and they were either applying to those systems but complaining you know and obviously i was living in different systems that were oppressive to me um i mean looking at me being a black person and gender and also sometimes i i do feel that culture can also be oppressive in, in the terms of like how you're supposed to live and yeah so the thing that i that i that i really really liked when i was reading um other books or because i'm a film fanatic or watching movies was how other creatives were telling their stories and i really really loved creatives who were very honest, you know, who showed you the brutal honesty about certain aspects. And it sort of like gave you a rounded perspective of how life is. It's like, wait, hang on. So there's, because there's, there's a way that life is presented to us, whether through media, societal norms, and then suddenly this creative work comes and shakes that up. And you're like, whoa okay mm. and it normalizes something and it normalizes also how you were feeling so that also came in to part of my practice um so then eventually i think throughout that whole decade of writing um towards maybe the latter end of the decade and continuing now um i realized that you know i was sort of like getting fed up of these um systems and just creating characters who are complaining about it and now i started creating characters who are breaking out of um those um 
I don't know, call them tropes, but those characteristics and fighting the systems. Um, because what I realized, um, especially particularly with like black women, um, if someone is violent to them, the way that they respond, however angry they respond, their anger is policed, you know, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. that they are angry, rightfully so. So I was tired of all that policing on body, on anger, on responses. And I wanted to create characters who were breaking that and feeling confident about that and feeling okay with that. Um, and that sort of shows in my next story that I mentioned, Peeling Time, um, which it's, gosh, <laughs> it's such a complex story in that it's constructed in the form of like a music album and is told through almost like song lyrics and it talks about the violence against women particularly like in the music industry um where one man is sort of um um kidnapping these women's consciousness to make um to to become a success in his career um but then eventually he commits that against um another singer actress and she decides to fight back in the same way and she she doesn't care you know in the way that she does it and i wanted to be like that is fine let us be how we want you know (laughs) Mm, yeah mm, mm. i haven't read that one yet it sounds intense and beautiful Um, content warning content warning because the thing about it is um because I wanted to have a conversation about how violence is enacted against um, women, I had to obviously depict that world, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously that is the problematic part of it. Um, but then I also wanted to depict how, because normally when you're watching movies, it's just about the violence against women, you know, but I wanted to show a world where women are existing in this and they can actually survive it. And it's also doesn't really end up bad and it's cathartic in a way mm, mm. it was complicated uh, <laughs> yeah. so when you get in touch with like one way i'm hearing what you've described is a um a, of your of your sort of creative journey is a journey where for a long time you you worked very hard to hone your craft you start you just like I'm an artist. I wanted to make film. I'm doing it as a kid. And then I found that like really the simplest, elegant, affordable way is like pen, pencil and paper. I can just do that. And I'm good at it. And people are telling me I'm good at it. And they're still saying, no, what the fuck is going on here? So you go on this journey to sort of find like, I, I can't figure out how to do it right, but I know I want to do it. So I'm going to do, just do, oh, here's this thing that's coming out of me. And now it sounds to me as if you are, the experience I'm having of you, of you now is like there's a uh, unapologetic is maybe a word I'm having now. Whereas maybe the earlier version of you might have been like, oh, okay, agent, like I'll try again, but I'm trying everything. Now it's just like, this is what's coming out. And you can read it or not. You can like it or not, but I'm <laughs> writing it. It's going to be written because it's coming out. Does that Does that resonate with you? I mean... It's so scary when you say it like that. <laughs> it really is, but I, I guess that's what it is. I'm I'm very scared to even say yes. Mm. I'd rather, let, is, oh, I'll rather let the I'll rather let the stories answer that question. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because the stories are unapologetic. Um and they do very, you know, they can be very polarizing, they can be sort of like more palatable. So, yeah, it really depends what story it is. I mean, at some point you're like, okay, you are getting it rejected. So what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing is you can try and write a story that is acceptable, but it's not or palatable, but it's not guaranteed that it would get accepted, you know? Um, and I feel like just the whole process to get to where I am is so, so, so difficult. And it's so easy to give up. I remember that I had two options, even though I had stopped writing for a year at some point, I, I had two options. It's either I give up and then I was like, give up and then what? Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's just 
what made me go on. And I know a lot of people are dealing with so many other things. So as much as I lacked certain things, I had privileges in certain areas that allowed me to continue, you know. And it just shows like if the road is that difficult to break into, no wonder why there are not many of us, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm appreciating a couple things in there that you said that maybe we can tease out as useful distinctions for anyone else who feels some kind of calling towards creativity. One is this sort of, and and I really want to make sure this doesn't come across as, as light because it feels important, but this sort of that moment when you said, well, if I give up, then what, right? That moment where, and the interpretation I have of that. So tell me if this feels true for you, but there's this moment where you are so committed, a person is so committed to something or so drawn to something that even though they're suffering and it's hard and they feel lost and they're doubting their talents and all of these things that can happen on the creative journey, when they stop and go, well, if I think about doing anything other than this, that feels even worse. <laughs> like yeah. that, I really want to just like honor and emphasize that that is a probably a pretty good sign that you're on a path you're meant to be on, even if the system in which that path exists is has all sorts of issues and problems. And even if it feels hard and lonely, uh, if you can't not do it, if you, if you can't not do it, then you find, you have to find a way to do it for as long as you draw breath. Right. Uh, Yeah. But then again, like that is also very difficult, which is probably why I mentioned um, certain aspects of like privilege, um, because, you know, I was living at home with one of my parents um, and I had savings because I worked so many jobs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. which I hated. And I saved a lot to escape those jobs. And a lot of people aren't in that place, you know, and I think at some point I was able to finally understand what the definition of faith is because I was pushing this thing for so long in such a very desperate act, like it was going to save me, even though there was no guarantee that you would actually be be able to survive on it Mm -hmm. for such a very long time. And you're hearing comments from whether it's relatives or um, friends or something saying like, Maybe you should give up. Maybe this isn't the right thing. And that can screw with your mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like you're sort of stuck in a certain matrix and you be, I don't, there's just something within your spirit that tells you like, this is the thing. Just keep at it, keep at it. And at some point when those voices come in trying to start it, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Thanks for naming the the tension there like to be able to make a choice that other people around you people you love people you don't even know are saying no you can't make this choice but to make it anyways is a kind of privilege and also is feels like the kind of agency that i would wish for every human being to have to be so lucky to reach a place in your life where there's something that you love or that's calling you that everyone else thinks is crazy. And yet, nevertheless, you're able to, to take, keep walking in that direction as it feels really important. And I wish, you know, I'm sorry. You know, like a part of me is like, I'm sorry. I was so freaking awful. <laughs> and I'm really grateful and glad that you're, you know, you kept going and that you modeled that possibility because it feels, I, I don't want to shame anyone who's going like, yeah, you know what? I tried for 10 years. And I was done. I think that's also a totally viable, like, yeah, exactly. Yep, I'm good. I'm going to try something else. Yeah. But if you just have this sense, yeah, maybe I'm crazy, but I still, I can't not do it. And I can, and I'm able to keep doing it and you keep doing it. Like that feels a really important yeah. moment, a, a, an important threshold to cross and you crossed it and kept going. Yep. You know, and I think just everyone varies, you know, other people could have different types of callings. Um, other people could be doing writing with something else. So I think it's fair to say that everyone should just be allowed to do what they want to do, you know. And I think, you know, you mentioned something important, like having the agency to do that. Um, I think that's, I noticed like through 
growing up, um, women are normally like boxed and policed. And I always fought against that. I don't know where that came, where that fighting spirit came from, you know, and I know that some women just eventually became submissive to the system or um, were just okay with certain moving parts. Mm. Um, sometimes I can call it brainwashing. So I just always had this tough relationship with um, uh, the female gender and everything. So I think that f- fighting spirit, because I was just so used to being treated like that, now it was mm. like mm. A, 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 a mirroring of it, but with work-wise. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't believe that this is impossible. I just refuse mm-hmm. in this whole universe. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's naive thinking or something, but. <laughs> oh, gosh. What, yeah. Um, I'm really, it's that, that's touching me deeply. And I'm also sort of, there are parts of me who are like, well, like, all right, Andy, who are you, white guy, to like have an opinion on this? But I, I guess maybe as you name that, and the the voice and you ask the question like is this naive to keep fighting against like is this actually is everyone else right is this really how reality is the mm-hmm. the thing i that has been really impactful for me on my own journey of this question of like my masculine identity and my privilege and and uh is this this reminder that um what do I want to say here? That like I have had the good fortune to be exposed to the the regular reminders that what all of us think of as reality is this little tiny slice in the history of the universe. Mm. And is and our whole species is a little tiny slice in the history of the universe. And if you kind of if we could zoom into that little slice of the history of the universe from the perspective of Earth and and people evolving on Earth, there is clear and abundant evidence that people have lived together in a wild diversity of uh, of sort of societies. Mm-hmm. And not all of those societies were societies where men were afraid of women and as a result, policed them extensively. And so that's like that voice that's going like, I guess what I want to say is like, even though I, I can't relate to you in that same way, I can, there is a part of me that relates to the voice going, doesn't anyone see how fucked up this is? Like, our culture is just this and we could be so much more. So yeah. that really feels like an important reminder because so much of uh, what we say no to comes from fear. And you're just like, I'm not, that's something in you said, I'm not going to say no, even though I am afraid. And even though people around me are afraid. And that feels like an important, that feels like a human spirit that we want more of. We want mm. more of that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely difficult process you know to follow to follow that voice in you and that spirit in you you definitely have to do have to make certain sacrifices you know and i mean when you just look at how people are responding um they're responding probably from how they were brought up Mm -hmm. um what brainwashing they went through i mean i went through so many i mean i feel like everyone did I had to like reprogram certain ideas I had about certain things, you know, and it was a lot of work. And you see that people are sort of like just programs that are just like running without the control. And sometimes I feel like it's a privilege to be actually conscious about the program that's running in you because the minute that you're conscious, you can be like, okay, um, now it's either I work hard to change this if this is a very destructive programming or I just let it run, you know, and it's easier to let it run than reprogram it because that's like, if you're like 30 or 40, that's like 40 years. And I remember Mm. I was talking to a relative one time. I was like, sometimes just reprogramming yourself, your body reacts in a way as if like, it's allergic to it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, there's like an immune, it's, there's like a threat response yeah. or an immune response, right? You know, so yeah. why not why not just let it run? But then when you let it run, it's also destructive to yourself, maybe in ways that you can't see. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, f- I find that quite sad sometimes when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. Well, um, I'm feeling really uh I f- this this sort of 
space that we're in feels like a really potent space for any one with creative aspirations who feels in some way, shape or form that, uh, that the road is too hard or that the system is weighted against them, all of which is true. And there's still a possibility. And, and I guess I wonder, like, as I hear myself say that out loud, like it sounds a little bit like kind of pablum, like, Oh, there's always hope, but the, there's something about like, I guess maybe the question I want to ask is you're sitting where you sit now. You're in a position of, of you've, you've successfully published a number of stories. You're studying an MFA. You have found your way to uh, stories that are unapolog- unapologetically their own mm-hmm. period. Even if you as a human are still human and deal with all the emotions that yeah. come with kind of being a public artist and a, and a person alive in the world. And that's a powerful place to be. And I wonder if you were sort of to look back at yourself 10 years ago in the early days of that kind of like hardworking, what would you say to yourself then? Or, or, or yeah, how, what's the energy you want to give to someone who might be at the beginning of the journey that you've been on? What do you want to, what would you say to that? God, <laughs> if I were to look back then, I will tell um that younger version of me like this is where we are today and they would be like no (laughs) (laughs) they would be shocked they'll be like we eventually got there you know because the thing is um you have this um thing that you're incredibly uh committed to and passionate about and working on for such a long long time and there are also other parts related to it that you're also trying to build. And it also almost becomes like part of the, like your spiritual practice as well. So you're also experiencing growth in different parts of your, your life. So I feel like I'll mention those things to my younger self and I'll probably tell them that just take better care of yourself because I, mm. I used, to, I was very anxious back then and mm. I've obviously worked over it over time. But I think I was very hard on myself. Mm. So I would mm. probably advise me to take care of my mental health a mm. little bit sooner mm. um, because that can also affect your body. And just keep at it as you've been keeping at it, you know, and be more aware of the messaging that is happening in your life that is more aligned to your journey. You know, that's something I believe so strongly in. And that, you know, messagings can come through people or music or books or mm. lines and books, I mean, that sort of like help you along your journey, you know. And sometimes a, re- a, a rejection is not really the best place for you. It's like there's this path you're going on, which is your journey. And you're almost about to veer off it thinking like, okay, that's actually going to help me. But then there's like a door or wall and you're banging on it and it's just like okay just accept it like just move back onto this road where you're meant to be mm. and then you find mm. out that there's actually this bigger entrance that or acceptance that was a little bit better than that so sometimes if i get a rejection i'd be like okay i i deal with them a little bit better and sometimes like there'll be a messaging within my whole journey and i'll be like okay, this thing that I really, really want is going to happen because everything that is happening in my life right now is affirming that. But then it doesn't happen. I'm like, but why? And then and then I'll be like, okay, I know that I don't have the answers to why this happened, but I'll probably get the answers later on. Mm. And then later on I will get those answers. So I wish I had um, that way of um, accepting certain things way earlier because mm. I love them hear me a part of it but I guess if I didn't have that then I <laughs> I wouldn't be the way that I am now so yeah just trusting yourself and I guess that's yeah beautiful <laughs> so it's, remind, it's reminding me of there's a parable that I'll probably get wrong or sort of a little anecdotal sort of metaphorical story that's sort of and I think it comes from somewhere in, in the Americas uh, like in sort of early US but it's like maybe around world war one or something like that. You know, there's like the story of this farmer who's 
who like son grows up to help him run the farm. And I was like, Oh, you're so, this is so great. Like you have, you have your son to help you and your farm's doing well. And the farmer's kind of like, well, we'll see. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the son gets, gets drafted to go to combat and oh my God, this is terrible. Like you, yeah, we'll see. And then the son, son comes home and is injured and oh my God, he's injured in the war. That's so awful. Yep, we'll see. And then the son comes home, back home, and his father can take him home. Oh, your son's home. Thank goodness. We'll see. And there's sort of this way in which, like, there's a way in which that can feel kind of like a downer, but also there's something about being able to stand in this kind of quality of, I'm here. I'm doing what I know how to do. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what this thing that just happened I don't know what it says about me or existence. And I probably won't know that until the moment before I die. So I'm just going to keep going and I'm, and I'm going to give my son the love I can give him. And I'm going to give my, the land, the love I can give it. And uh, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are a great parable. (laughs) Mm. Mm. And that's how life is to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some I know that there's some people who don't even share what they're trying to do. You know, I remember one particular moment when I was on this journey, and someone had asked me, like, "Tell me exactly what it is you want to accomplish, and I'll tell you if it's realistic or not." And I was like, "Are we allowed to swear?" Because <laughs> I was about to swear, but I was like, "Are you serious right now?" how dumb do you think I am? I'm going to tell you something that is very wow. close to me, you know? Yeah. So I think at some point is at some point in my life, I was very conscious of who I shared certain things with because not everyone is going to agree with what you're doing or support you. Um, so I know that some creatives as well, they don't share everything with everyone. They only share it with people who will affirm them. And and that helps, you know. So if you're always going to tell, for example, maybe a friend or relative, like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do this and get published. And they're always telling you like, no, that's not going to happen. It's that voice is going to sometimes get into your head. So offer yourself some self-care and don't tell them anything. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you want to kind of go ahead. Mm-hmm. You go. I interrupted. Because <laughs> you want people who sort of like support you and hold you up and encourage you, like you got this, you can do this, and like okay, I can do this, and then eventually that becomes your own voice when they're not there, you know? Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is something quite fragile and tender about like uh, uh, an identity in process or a work of art in process or anything that's in a state of becoming, you know, before it's, before the flower has fully bloomed, if you pluck Mm. it, it doesn't bloom kind of thing. Right. Yeah. It's like that thing they say when you plant a seed in the earth, you don't like dig it up to see what's growing. (laughs) (laughs) Your seed in the earth, it's dark, it's difficult, it's wet, there's no sunlight and you know, you're hard on yourself on how on on how long it's taken for you to grow. Yeah, sometimes I would get very impatient, you know. Mm. So you never know. Like time is a construct of people's <laughs> like sometimes things can happen so quickly and then sometimes it could take forever. Mm. You know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, Coco, this has been really meaningful and I wonder if this might be a moment where rather than us keep talking about it, perhaps you read something of your writing and then we see where that takes us for the last, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of our time together. Right. Yes. Um, let me actually make a note before I forget. <laughs> Cause this is in reference to something. Um, so I will read um, a portion of healing time. Delix edition, which is an Africanism. Yeah. Intro, Anonymous Girl, My Religion, featuring GBB, AAO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The cops of her voice hangs from the murdered legacy tree exhumed from the placenta of her being. I am a proper woman, she sings. The burning tree blazes in the dark, the floor made of dark, the ceiling made of dark, the air, there is no air. Severed organs and limbs crawl from various distances to join her abdomen. No jury, caught in the bundus. Seven men in the audience. It's a tie reduction function. We so fitted. Spotlight on this hashtag me bra campaign. Runway show. Go slay, slay, slay. Offscreen voices chant. Guaito rises from the grave. The killer's marionette, a woman, devoid of color, hobbles forward. Her dismembered limbs attached by invisible senseless tendons are tugged as she bends and sways. We're good. The host got some sick moves. And when she dips forward for the Vosho dance, her head rolls to the ground. Woo, woo, bag her. Gonna bag her. A choir of women march behind her, doyutoying as the dead body dances, becomes a viral dance challenge, sparking further outrage. A judge comes in during the kwasa kwasa, gavel in hand, moon walks by the choir of women, taps one, announces, 20-year-old girl, only worth two years in prison, going once, going twice, gone to the killer brother in the back. That's how we do it. Teach him a lesson. Girl, slay, slay, slay. The killer brother stalks her with a machete, drags the 20-year-old off screen, her screams a good five octave. Yes, I'll stop there. Mm. Um, so the thing about the story, I remember I had the idea of writing a story about women trapped in music. And I was like, how the hell am I going to write something like that? You know, um, but it speaks a lot to gender-based violence and um, the response as well. So in Botswana, I remember um, the gender-based violence is very high. We are a neighboring country to South Africa where women are murdered in the most terrible ways. And even back home, just the way that they're murdered, for example, breaking off a relationship um, or having an affair, for example, and they're just killed just like that. Um, and then what would follow would be things like riots. Um, it would change into like a challenge on social media. And sometimes it's just like, what is the point of all of that thing if it's not bringing any change? And, you know, I'm a person who watches a lot of like true crime documentaries and you will see how some men get away with murder or they have a light sentence and you really see the value of women and you also see how lower the value of women, the more marginalized they are, um, especially like black women. And I remember... I was also reading a story, I, I do not remember the particular country, where um, women would disappear or they'll get killed and, you know, their images would be, when they were missing, their images would be pasted up in like grayscale. And I remember that the men, when they were sentenced, apparently if they wore like a suit or something, the way they presented themselves, they would have like a lighter sentence. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, so this was um, almost like a sat satirical representation of that. Um, and also combining that with music and how um, women are also represented in, in music, sexually objectified um, and the violence that they go through as well. Uh, so you have this woman who is dead and her cops is forced into a dance, you mm. know, and then you have a judge saying, okay, 20 year old woman who's dead, which brother is she going for? She's worth 20 years in prison, you know? So it was in conversation with that. And it's like, that, that is the reality. Mm. Mm. And, um, I remember I was reading Nawal Al Sadawi's, um, Woman at Point Zero. I remember I read it probably a short time after I graduated, which was, 2014, 2015. And, um, it's sort of like a nonfiction. She's, um, telling the story of, um, a, a woman who uh, grew up. I think she had lost her parents. I cannot remember, but she ended up being a prostitute to survive. And this woman, she was basically interrogating the, 
the toxicity in the patriarchal system in her country. And some of the things that she was saying, I was like, oh my God, Joyce was just fighting that system as a prostitute, like some lines. And I, it, it completely, not distorted, it's like I was living in a distorted reality mm-hmm. and it just took the blinds off and I could see clearly. Mm. So that was one work that really inspired me to talk in such ways that people mm. are uncomfortable about. And I remember one talk that she had. Um, she was talking, I think she's an Arabic author, yes. So she was uh, talking about having set organizations um, against patriarchy. She was like, there are even men in these organizations because, you know, they're also unhappy about patriarchy. And you realize that it's a system. You know, it's a system and it doesn't mean that it's men who are just pushing this out, but some are actually unhappy about it. Yeah. And some of the stories that she was narrating about how women are also brainwashed by this, she was just, it was shocking. Mm. Mm. So mm. most of my times, uh, most of the times when I'm writing, it's like I realize that I'm interrogating certain systems and trying to see like other sides of it rather than the side that is shown to us yeah yeah and, and and the the sense i'm getting from just that little excerpt and this is the story you were talking about earlier where where a woman in music is yes. is this the one yeah where she says i'm going to do the same thing kind of energy yes. yeah. yeah okay just from that little excerpt what i'm sensing is there's a and and if we had more time, we could maybe discuss where you do this kind of from a place of creativity. It just comes out of you versus where you're making kind of an intentional choice. And But what I'm just sensing from what you shared is the kind of quality of like this stuff that we live in, the waters we swim in, that that we take for granted, that, that most of us in, suffer from, including many men, mm-hmm. is just... Uh, devastatingly surreal and shocking and brutal and, and hideous. It's really, and somehow we don't see that. So, so this writing is going to, it's going to shock. It's like shocking in its cadence, you know, slay, slay, slay. It's shocking in its imagery, limbs kind of reattaching and kind of being marionetted. It's shocking. And like, there's all this really like, kind of, there's a quality of, um, sort of like grabbing someone by their consciousness and going, yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that (laughs) it's very visceral, you know, I guess maybe it also comes from, um, the films that I watch, you know, and the images that they put across there. I, I normally love films that are very nuanced. There's one film that I keep on mentioning, God, that movie woke me up. I love it. It's called, it's, it's called Revenge. Revenge. It's a French film. Um, I forgot the director's name, but it's, um, it's sort of like, uh, fights against the trope of rape revenge films, um, which, mm. which sexually objectify the women. Um, but the, and this is, this film was done by a female director. But that, the way she did that movie is like art because she has this female character who's like um, a representation of like a Lolita or something, you know, and obviously she ends up um, being raped and um, the men trying to kill her and hide her body and just be done with it and go home back to their lives. But then she rises like a phoenix and fights against this these men and the cinematography the score it's it's like you it's like you're consuming drugs at some point and <laughs> it was just very beautifully rendered even the way that um they did the clothing dressing of the woman from when she's a representation of Lolita and then when she burns and she's like a phoenix the symbol symbolism and it's ties to also even religious motives like it was an art piece so for, for almost like the latter half of the movie this woman is chasing down these men and these men are like trying to hunt and kill her and god it was like a music video as well mm, <sighs> mm, yeah mm. 
I'm just, you just like, I love the, the sort of joy that you're exuding right now. The sort of like, <laughs> wow, like to, to be in the presence of a piece of art that manages to address something in a way that, that subverts tropes, that, that avoids them, that gives mm. new perspective and new light. And it also is like fun and, or maybe not fun is the right word, but is, is like engaging and beautiful yeah. and like that. <laughs> To do all of that is that's like the journey of a lifetime as an artist to find your way into that kind of art that's that alive and that visceral and that impactful. And it was very cathartic, to be honest. Mm. You know, it was mm. horrific and gory, but it was very cathartic. And I didn't I don't think I've seen a presentation of a woman like that in, in horror, you know? And yeah, it was quite inspiring. There was she was just free and she owned it. There was not policing and she it it was also empowering, you know, because she literally had nothing. <laughs> and she managed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing a bit of, of your of your piece as well. Tell me the name of the, the story again. Was it Killing Time? Peeling Time. Oh, pe- peeling Time. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Deluxe edition. Mm. Mm, and Africa Rising is the collection that that can be found in. Africa Rising? Let me just show it to you. Mm. Oh, it's disappearing through the blur. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read that one yet, but I recognize that cover. We'll make sure that gets linked in the show notes. All right. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so we've managed now, uh, we've managed now like two conversations and, uh, it's been really fun to be back with you and meaningful to be back with you, Koklo. And I, and I wonder as you sort of sit in this moment in your journey and in this moment in our now two conversations that only one of, uh, only the two of us have heard both of them. <laughs> like, yeah. I wonder, I wonder as you, as you look ahead, right, we've kind of been looking back and at your mm-hmm. journey and what you've learned, but as you look ahead to your journey as an artist uh, and and where you're headed to next? Like, what's on the horizon for you as a creative, as a as a as an artist, as right. person who cares about all this stuff? Yeah. So, when 2023, my book is coming out this year. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so surreal. Um, my novel, it's called Womb City. It's coming out from Erwin, um towards nice. the end of the year. So Congrats. I'm very excited about that everything that we're speaking that we're speaking about today um is resonant in that work um it's sff and i really hope people (laughs) will enjoy it um yeah and more other books will be coming there after um so right now i'm just writing and i'm just open to what comes thereafter but Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. for any other updates i think everyone could check my twitter account or my website which is my forename.com and that's where i post most of my stuff but i'm very excited about my book this year Mm, (laughs) that's that's so exciting congratulations we'll make sure to link to your website below and is there like a newsletter or something that people can sign up on or if they yes. want to get the news when it's announced yes they they can they um you can sign up onto that on my uh website it's going to take a while for me to update it i haven't updated that <laughs> you said in a long time but i really need to get to it so eventually yes yeah. I'm, i sense i sense that the publication of a new high profile book is probably a good excuse to get that updated if you don't have, have it. I know. Right. <laughs> oh God. Yes, I will. There's a whole other conversation we could have had about all of the non-artistic, like where art meets the marketplace and all the kind of oh trials and tribulations of that. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, it, this was still worthwhile. Maybe for another conversation. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to have you back again. This has been a real treat. Thanks again for accepting my invitation to return, with uh, the humble apologies of the technical <laughs> issue. And uh, yeah. I'm really excited to read the novel when it's out. And thank you for sharing your gifts and your journey with me and with everyone who hears this. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who's been listening. I hope you're all doing well. Wishing you a great year ahead. Thank you so much for the conversation today. I I really, really enjoyed it. 
thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.